I'm really excited about this series that we're going to be doing, and I want to ask you to be open. The Bible tells us that anything that is not from faith is sin. So when you listen to a message, you must listen in faith. Amen? Amen. Anything that is not from faith is sin. And some of you have become cynical. And how many of you know that as Christians, cynicism or being cynical will lead to sin? Amen? And some of, some of you in this place have become cynical. You see, we've been through difficulties. Each person here has lost a loved one. I received a phone call yesterday and my brother was giving me a list of people, family, relatives, people I grew up with. And saying, oh, this person passed away, this person passed away. And then this one is critically ill, and then this one. You know those things where you get nervous to pick up a, a call sometimes from family members because you know you're going to get a list of sad news. And I say to myself, we go through those things, but one of the things I know is that God is a good God. And you see, even if you've lost a loved one through sickness, through disease, it doesn't change who God is. And when we have the revelation of God's nature and God's heart, that his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, that is our starting point. Please hear me this morning. Our starting point is heaven. Heaven is our blueprint. When Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he say? He says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? No, there isn't. So if you've got a relative who dies because of sickness, if you've got a, a relative who's not getting well, the problem isn't God. There's something within us. There's something around us. There are things happening that we have to figure out. And the approach I like to use, if I pray for someone and they don't get healed, I want to investigate. I want to seek God's face. I want to see what is the barrier to the healing. Amen? You see, many of you, your theology has been based on your circumstances. Oh no, I'm struggling with poverty. I'm always in lack. So it means that maybe, maybe this is where God wants me to be for the rest of my life. No, maybe there's something that you're not applying. Maybe there's some revelation. Maybe there's some truth that you're not applying. Maybe there's some authority within you that you're not walking in. Amen? Because when I look at heaven, there's no lack in heaven. And when I pray, I'm praying, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. So I believe that God is raising a generation that will walk in his raw power. Please say to the person next to you, I am that generation. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, the day and age of the hired holy man from the north is over. You know what I'm talking about? You see, what happens is if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that there was a barrier between God and man. And they had to always go through the prophet. And they couldn't hear God directly for themselves, but the prophet was the one who would speak. Amen? There were prophets, they were priests. But if you see in New Testament theology or New Testament Christianity, what happens? We've become a kingdom of priests, the Bible says. In other words, we talk about the priesthood of the believer. You see, a priest is someone who's the go-between between God and man. Amen? How many of you know that in intercessory ministry, what are you doing? You're standing on behalf of man and you're crying out to God and say, Lord, please give my brother a breakthrough. Amen? It's the priesthood of believers. And because we pray in the name of Jesus, everyone has access to Jesus. Who here doesn't have access to Jesus? It's not like there's a hired holy man from the north who has more access to Jesus than you and me. And you see, sadly, what we've done in this day and age, here on the African continent, we all like to have heroes. So the moment a pastor prays and someone is delivered, then we think, okay, so I must come to Ignite so that Pastor Paul does the praying and I get delivered. And there's a place for that. But I want you to know that the purpose of this series is so that you walk as a carrier of his glory. The purpose of this series is that you walk as one who will host miracles. Amen? Amen. And if you don't have that mindset, what will happen is everything that I'm sharing with you, there'll be a block. Because you'll say, I believe every single thing that Paul is sharing with us this morning, but it's for him. 
I believe every single thing that Paul is sharing with us this morning, but it's for that prophet across the road. From the starting point, from the get-go, I want you to know that this message is for every single person here who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. And we're going to be walking in that dimension. We're going to be walking in that dimension. Lack of power for the Christian. Lack of power is inexcusable. Lack of power is what? Yes. There are no more excuses. There are no more excuses. You see, God's plan for his church is that his church shows off his nature. And how many of you know that the God we believe in is extremely powerful? So the world needs to see his power. You see, God's plan for the church is not just that, oh, the church shows off God's love. Oh, the church shows off God's kindness. No. God's plan for the church is that we show off his entire nature, which includes love, it includes power, it includes joy, it includes kindness. Amen? And if we're not demonstrating his power, then there's something of God that the world is not seeing. Can I hear an amen? amen. And that's what we're going to go into. So some of you have become cynical and you have to be delivered from cynicism. Amen? You've said, but God, how can I believe all these things because this has just happened to my aunt or this has just happened to my husband or this has just happened to my child. There's some things we can't explain. There's a very well-known evangelist who God has used in the miraculous over a number of years, a South African evangelist, greatly used by God. And back in the day, as he was in his village or township, wherever he grew up, he had an experience where he, he was on a 40-day fast. Day 38 or 37, day 37, somewhere there, his child ends up critically ill, his daughter. So he's like, okay, well, I need to go to the city to get my daughter treated by the doctors, critically ill. But he only had one rand, and he needed two rand, so it was back in the day. He needed two rand to go into the city. But he only had one rand, so he couldn't go. On about day 38 or so of his 40-day fast, some money comes and he gets the additional rand. So he takes his daughter to the clinic, and they say, you know what, if you had come yesterday, we could have helped you, but we can't help you today. And his daughter died. Sorry, I, I know you thought powerful man of God, it'll be a powerful testimony. And his daughter died. But this person is one of the people who's most greatly used in signs and wonders here on this continent. Another time, he was doing a crusade Oh, and by the way, he completed his fast and the Lord gave him a verse that basically said, will you continue faithful to me even when your heart is tested? How many of you know that he could have thrown in the towel at that point and said, God, why are all these people being healed and yet my, my very own family is not being touched by God? I sometimes go through that. Sometimes we'll have powerful services. We'll see miracles. We'll hear testimonies. We'll see the testimonies on Facebook. And then one of my kids is sick or someone at home is not feeling well and I pray for them. And then they get worse. But how many of you know that God is good? How many of you know that God's nature doesn't change? I have to seek God and find out what were the barriers to the healing. Amen? This guy shares another story where he was at a crusade. The crusade starts... But his son was sick. His son had started to lose sight. He had all sorts of things all over his body. And guess who was first in the queue who he wanted healed at that crusade? His son. But nothing happened. The, one of the first miracles he experienced, blind eye opened. Blind eyes opened. His son had lost his sight. Nothing happened to his son at that point in time. But there was this miracle at the crusade. And it was only after the crusade, a few days afterwards, he was wondering, but look what you've done, Lord, and my son is not healed. 
couple of days after the crusade, his son comes up and wakes him up. I think he was sleeping or lying down and his son is completely healed. Why wasn't his son healed at the time he wanted his son to be healed? I'm sharing this with you because as you listen to this series, you all come with baggage. Amen. We all have baggage. We all have that story of why didn't God come through? But I want you to know your starting point has to always be heaven. Amen. It's going to be very exciting. So today I'm going to focus on uh, giving you a bit of an introduction and sharing with you some mind shifts that have to take place in order for miracles to occur. Next week I'm going to start tapping into other things. I'm going to talk about how to activate miracles. Okay, later on we're going to talk about communion with the Holy Spirit. How do you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Amen. How many of you enjoy fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Right? And we're going to go deep into that. And I believe it's going to be a powerful time between now and the end of the year. Are you expectant? And by the way, when we talk about miracles, we're talking about different types of miracles. We'll be talking specifically about healing the sick, but we'll also be talking about marketplace miracles. And one of the things we're going to be stronger on as a church is recording testimonies. I remember making a decree over Tankisho. I think you remember a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on the uncommon giver and there was something she had done in terms of her giving and I announced and I said it in front of everyone. I said, watch this space in terms of the workplace. Today she's sharing with me a testimony in terms of what God is doing at work. Amen. We need to capture these testimonies. So I want to encourage you. We're going to... We're going to have you send through your testimonies. You can send them to me personally. If you know my email address, Paul at Corporate Legends, you can send them through info at Go Church. At some point, we'll actually have a testimonies at Go Church. I think we had it at one stage, right? But just send them through to us, and we want to be putting them on Facebook. We want people to know that God's power is at work in this day and age. Amen. Those of you who've got testimonies from last Ignite, recent testimonies, please send them to me. We want to put them together and want people to know. Amen. So lack of power is inexcusable. There is a shift taking place where we will start to see that God is 100% good. My question to you this morning is, do you see God as 100% good? As good 100% of the time? You see, for many of us, when he does something good in our lives or something we perceive to be good, that's when we're like, oh, God is so good. God is so good. My question to you this morning is, is God good 100% of the time? Yes, he is. That's his nature. Amen? Amen? Friends, when we have that mindset, it opens a door to another realm. It opens a door that releases the power of God in your life. When we're talking about miracles, we're going to be talking about miracles in marriages. Sometimes I've counseled people who want out, who want to quit their marriage, but then there's an anointing for reconciliation where you would think to yourself, no, person X can never forgive person Y concerning this thing. How many of you know that that is a miracle? Sometimes when God restores things in your family, it's a miracle. I've had workplace situations where I'm called in by a company to do something and my wife beforehand will say, you know what, I see the anointing for reconciliation on you for today. And I will go in and I will use my tools and that kind of thing, but I'll know that the thing that broke the situation was an anointing for reconciliation. Then afterwards, I'll speak to an individual and they've got big issues with their boss. Few hours later, I speak to the boss and he says, Paul, I don't know what happened in your meeting with so-and-so, but she's been apologizing to me. She's come and she's... These are people who've had issues for years. That's a miracle. Amen? Do not limit the type of miracle that what God wants to do in your life right now. Some of you have wondered concerning the salvation of your parents, the salvation of a friend. How many of you know that there's faith for a new life where you can believe God that just as he saved you, he can save them? Why is it that sometimes we become self-righteous where we're like, I don't think God will ever save my father. I don't think God will ever save my uncle. But he saved you. Are you saying you were better than them? Just think about it. Are you saying you were better than them? If he saved you, why can't he save them? Amen? So you know what my mindset now is? My mindset now is if someone comes with a calamity, I'm saying that's a miracle opportunity. 
We want that to be our language in this church. If someone comes to you with a calamity, say to them, this is a miracle opportunity. If someone comes to me and says, I want deliverance, it's a miracle opportunity. If someone says, oh, we are struggling, our company no longer has money, it's a miracle opportunity. Change your language. Some of you think, oh, how are we going to raise these funds for this new business we want to start? Rather say, hey, pastor, you know what? I just want to share with you a miracle opportunity we have. Amen? We're talking about a mind shift to make us open to the miraculous. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said, great healing evangelist in the middle of last century. He says, great faith is the product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. Great triumphs can only come out of great trials. So next time you experience a trial, you know that it's an opportunity for a triumph. Next time you want to share a testimony, know that it's going to come from a place of great tests. Amen? Amen. Next time you experience a fight, know that it's an opportunity for you to exercise your faith. So let me ask you a question. What do you do when you pray, but that prayer is not answered? Do you ask God questions? One of the things I've learned about the Lord is that very often he'll only teach us things in response to questions that we ask. Do you remember how Jesus taught the disciples how to pray? But it was in response to a question that he had asked, that they had asked. They said, Rabbi, teach us to pray. Amen? And then he taught them. Would he have taught them if they hadn't asked? One of the things I've learned is that it is, the, it, it is a privilege to seek God's face concerning certain things. And the more you linger in his presence, the more you ask him certain questions, he reveals truths to you. Amen? I loved Stuart's message from last week, Rebuilding the Walls. I enjoyed listening to it. You guys had a great service. Amen? How many of you know that sometimes it's a miracle? What, what Nehemiah had to do was a miracle. How do you do that? How do you rebuild walls with so many enemies around you? Amen? What walls do you need to rebuild? I like what Derek Prince says. He says, truth is not obtained cheaply. Talk about seeking God. When you don't understand what's going on. Truth is not obtained cheaply. It demands much time given to prayer and study of the scriptures, followed by practical application in our daily lives. It must take priority over the many forms of cheap entertainment offered by our secular culture. It is a lifetime commitment. Are there questions you have about healing? Are there questions you have about the anointing? Are there questions you have about the ministry of angels? Study and show yourself a workman approved, Paul says to Timothy. Amen? Seek God's face. Ask God questions. Learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. So what's a miracle? What's a miracle? It's an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. So it's an extraordinary event that you cannot explain by natural means. And you know what the sad thing about miracles is? The sad thing about miracles is that they've often been defined as unusual. But there's a shift taking place where walking in the supernatural will become normal for us. Amen? It might not be normal in the earth realm, but certainly when you walk with the power of God and you know your source, which is from another realm. Let me tell you something. If you're a God carrier, if you're one who carries his glory, then the supernatural should become normal and miracles become your lifestyle. Amen. Amen. And that's what we're talking about. So I want to give you some mind shifts. Mind shift number one 
in walking in miracles, in having a mindset for miracles. Mind shift number one, we must be delivered from naturalism. We must be delivered from what? From naturalism. What is naturalism? Naturalism is the belief or the philosophy that anything that is real, that is true, that has occurred, must have a scientific explanation. That's what it is. And you know what saddens me? Many Christians, when it comes to their worldview, how they view their world, they're actually nat naturalistic. Are you following me this morning? Yeah. They're actually naturalistic. So what do naturalists do? These are the kind of people who say, okay, yeah, if, if the Red Sea was indeed parted, we can explain it. I'm sure there was a scientific cause. I'm sure there was maybe a cyclone or something that coincided with the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And then it resulted in this water just, you know, going this side and that side. Yeah, no, we can explain it scientifically. Oh, Jesus walking on water. Mm -hmm. If it did indeed happen, you know what? There are times in the Middle East, you know, where the tide, the effect of the tide is that it can look like someone is walking on water, but they're really walking on the beach actually. And that's what might have, it might have been a thing where the disciples were looking and then they were just seeing him walking and they thought he was walking on water, but he was really walking on the beach. Naturalism. Naturalism. There was a time some years ago, we prayed as a congregation for a particular woman who was about to go into heart surgery. And we had been told that this woman was going to be going in, I think it was a double bypass heart surgery, something like that, right? And she was about to go in. That was the plan. We prayed for her. I remember, I, I might have laid hands on her, but I remember asking the congregation at the time and saying, guys, let's all agree. Few days later, we got feedback that the doctor said, you don't need surgery anymore, okay? But the confession that came through from her daughter, her daughter said, you know what? When we were told by the doctors that we don't need surgery anymore, we thought to ourselves, the diagnosis we got back home for the last 17 years, saying that our mother has heart issues, maybe the diagnosis was wrong. Maybe she didn't really have heart issues after all. Are you following me? But then the, the lady said, but the Lord convicted us that we were in unbelief. She had actually been healed, but we were trying to explain it in a natural way. How many miracles has God done in your life, but you've written them off, not as miracles, because you wanted to give a scientific explanation? The nature of science is observation and repetition, isn't it? Yeah. Right? The thing, for it to be scientifically proven, it must be observed. You have to be able to observe the particular thing. Right? Did you see it happening? What evidence do you have? And you have to be able to repeat it. So for something to be a scientific law, it can't be a once-off. And by nature, people see miracles as a once-off. They see miracles as unusual. So if you've got the law of gravity, it has to work all the time. The law of gravity, it always works. You can repeat it, can't you? Right? If I throw my pen down onto the floor, it, if, we pick up, um, if we pick up Cindy and we drop it down, law of gravity works all the time. No exception. Science. But miracles defy that. Miracles are when you go against what is proven to be true scientifically and naturally. Is everyone following? I like Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God is attracted to impossible situations in your life. The moment you acknowledge that this thing is impossible, you know why God is drawn to that? One of the reasons he's drawn to impossible situations is he can show himself as God in that situation. You see, if you go around and you're just relying on your intellect, who's going to get the glory? Ah, guys, it happened. How did it happen? It's because of my skills. God is attracted to impossible situations so he can show you that he is God. 
Amen? Amen. We talk about the otherness of God. That God is different. God is on another level. Amen? He's powerful. He says, my ways are not your ways. So when you see that Sarah conceived, when you see that this old woman conceived, that was a miracle, amen? That was against science. Science will say, this is, this is you, you've, you passed your cell by date, right? It cannot happen. Scientifically, it doesn't happen. People don't give birth at this age. I don't know what the doctor has told you. My question to you is, have you believed what they've said because you've put them on a pedestal or do you believe God's word? Amen? Bible says, Abraham believed, therefore he spoke. What are you speaking over your life right now? What are you speaking over your life right now? With man, certain things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, they will tell you, scientifically, this cannot happen. Economically, this cannot happen. This is the economy right now. They will tell you that. The economists will tell you that. Those who live by the science of scarcity will tell you that. But I don't know about you. I live by the science of abundance. I don't know about you, but there's a kingdom economy. Go and study the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. Go and study what Joseph did in Egypt. The abundance that they ended up walking in and living in was not the same as what was happening with the people of Egypt during the time of famine. It says that the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons, who lived for a long time in the land of Goshen, they were prospering and they were in abundance. Same economy, same weather conditions, but they were living from a different source. Is someone hearing me please this morning? Amen. It's up to you. Now, I said to you at the start that anything that is not from faith is sin. Amen? Now, how many of you know that you need hope in order to have faith? The Bible tells us that in, in Hebrews chapter 11, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I need to have hope in order to have faith. Now, what is hope? Hope is joyful expectation. If we want to see more miracles activated in our midst, we have to be expecting them. Question, how do you start off your day? Oral Roberts used to say, God is a very good God and the devil is a very bad devil. Amen? Oral Roberts also used to say, something good is going to be happening in your life today. Amen? That is expectation. That is expectation. Often the way I start off my day, I will say, thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful that I'll be meeting influential people that will take my career to its next level today. That's expectation. My question to you is, are you expecting a miracle in your life today? Are you expecting miracles in your life this week? Are you expecting God to touch you at Ignite on Friday? For some of you, you might say, you know what? I'm not going to just fast on the Friday. I'm going to do a whole build up this week. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? That's hope. I like Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 21. It says here, He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. You observed them. He was like, no, but did you see it? Did you see it? We saw it with our own eyes. Peter says the same thing. He says, you know what, guys? These are not old wife tales that we are telling you about what Jesus did. For we, we what we tell you is what we saw with our very own eyes. How many of you have seen Jesus work in your life? Where you'll share testimonies and you'll say, it can only be God because I've seen it with my own eyes. Amen. Please don't put God in the same box as you. Sometimes we put God in the same box as us, don't we? All right? That's what the naturalists do. I like what Kenneth Hagin said. If what you hear preached doesn't cause faith to come and build faith in your spirit, then it either isn't the word of God or else you're not hearing it. 
If what you hear preached doesn't cause faith to come and build faith in your spirit, then it either isn't the word of God or else you're not hearing it. Are you hearing me this morning? Is what I'm sharing with you building faith in your spirit? You see, because when we heal the sick, there are different ways of doing it. And sometimes when it's through the healing gifts, it doesn't require too much faith on your part. Sometimes when it's gifts of healing and the power of God is flowing in a meeting and there's a word of knowledge, people are healed. But sometimes they don't maintain their healing. Why? They don't have this revelation. Faith is not built into their spirit, into their inner person. So what happens is that they start seeing the symptoms again and then they agree with the enemy. Oh, it didn't really happen. For some of you, that's what's happened. You've experienced healings through the healing gifts. But then the symptoms come again after a week. And what do you do? You have not built yourself up in faith. So as we go through this series, it's important for me to have you being in a space where you understand the believer's authority. Amen. Where you understand how to stand for your own healing. Amen. So that the miracles are maintained. It's one thing to experience a miracle. It's another thing to maintain the miracle. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, there's a Jewish philosopher. Um, he lived from 1632 to 1677. Some of you might have heard of him. Benedict Spinoza. You might have quoted him. Maybe you've quoted him on Facebook and so on. Okay, But he was actually dogmatic about the impossibility of miracles when he proclaimed this. He said, we may then be absolutely certain that every event which is truly described in scripture necessarily happened like everything else according to natural laws. So he was one of those people who believed that, yeah, if the things happened, but they happened because of natural laws. Here's my question. Do you believe that God is involved on the earth? Or is your mindset that mindset that God is there, God exists, he created the world, then he abandoned it? You see, the biblical Christian worldview is that we can be intimate with authority. That God, this mighty God who created the universe, is still interacting with the universe that he created. And that this mighty God has chosen to make man in his image. And he's raised up a generation that are born of the spirit. And he's placed his spirit into them so they may do his mighty acts. That's what we believe. And when that's your worldview, you begin to be expecting miracles on a daily basis. Amen? Because you know that this mighty God is interacting with you and you're interacting with the world. Is everyone getting that this morning? Okay. So Spinoza's argument can be summarized as follows. Number one, miracles are violations of natural laws. Number two, natural laws are immutable. What do we mean when we say immutable? Unchangeable. They don't vary over time. That was his outlook. Number three, it is impossible for immutable laws to be violated. Number four, therefore miracles are impossible. That's the naturalistic mindset we have to be delivered from. And I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of Christians who are bound by this. Amen? You know, there's certain natural laws like gravity. And I think you've heard us share this before, some of you at least. Okay, it's the law of gravity. Now we might say, mm, it applies in all these situations, you know, if I try and think, I, be I believe I can fly, I'm not going to just start flying, I'll fall down. I believe I can fly. Remember that guy in, uh, was it East African Idols? What song are you going to sing? I believe I can fry. Okay, go and fry in the kitchen, go and fry in the kitchen. Anyway, I believe I can fry, alright? So if I think I can fly, I'm going to fall down. Why? Law of gravity. How many of you were on a plane recently? What happened? There was still the law of gravity at work, but the law of lift that that jet engine that you were flying in had superseded gravity. Amen? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that the law of the spirit of the life in Christ, everyone following, right, has overcome the law of sin and death. There's something greater at work in my spirit. There's something greater at work in your spirit that supersedes certain natural laws. 
How many of you know that you might have a disease and you might be thinking to yourself, guys, medically, if I've got this disease, it means I've got an appointment with death. I will just have to die. How many of you know that the spirit of the life of Christ at work in you, the power of God at work in you is greater than the power of that cancer? is greater than the power of that HIV AIDS, is greater than the power of um, whatever ailment that you're struggling with, arthritis. My question to you is, what do you believe? Who are you agreeing with? Jesus says, when two or three are gathered in my name and, and ask for something in my name, it shall be done. How many of you know that that law of agreement also works in the kingdom of darkness? And so the enemy's strategy against you is to make suggestions to you and have you agree with him. And then the thing is done. My question to you is, who are you agreeing with right now? The Bible is very clear. And we are told that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and active in you. I'm going to say it again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, clinically dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, Lanston, is in you, Justin, is in you, Sean, is in you, Kwile, is in you, Raquel, is in you, Ben. Amen? Amen? Do you believe? Do you believe? Yeah. Now, if you look at Mount Rushmore, how many of you know Mount Rushmore? You, all, you guys know Mount Rushmore, right? Okay, you can see the people who are well-read and so on. You'll know it when I describe it. Mount Rushmore, South Dakota, I think it is, Dakota in the States, right? It's, it's, the, it's that rock face that has got the faces of U.S. presidents, right? I think it's about four or five of them, right? George Washington, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, those guys. Now, when you look at that picture, right, Mount Rushmore, are you going to put it up? Are you able to put it up? Okay, it's going, going up just now, right? If you look at that picture, will you say, oh, you know what? These faces are all here. You know that picture, right? These faces are all here because of erosion. Because of erosion, right? The result of soil erosion formed those faces. Will you say that? Because you want, a, you want an explanation. No, you acknowledge that there must have been some external intelligence. And if you know the history of this, it was done in the mid of last century by a father and son, okay? And they worked on it and they did that. So you acknowledge, we, we easily acknowledge that, wait a minute, someone must have come in and done that beautiful work. Now why is it that when someone does a beautiful work, when God does a beautiful work of healing, we block God out of the equation and we try and explain that, no, it's because this just happened. There must be some explanation for it. When you look at the pyramids, or you look at the Sphinx, is it called the Sphinx, right, of Giza, hey? You look, when you look at all those things that the ancient Egyptians did, people will look at them, and at one stage they were all covered in sand, weren't they? But when you look at the artwork there, you know that there must have been someone outside of the artwork at work there. My question to you is, when we look at your life, is it a life of miracles? Is it a life where we can look and we can say, Lanson, that thing that happened in your life, we can see that God must have been at work. Amen? Jimmy, that thing that happened in your life, we can see that, uh-uh, it wasn't just you. It cannot be explained naturally. Amen? Smith Wigglesworth said, there is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. There is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. Are you ready for a miracle in your life? 
Are you ready for a lifestyle of miracles? I think I'll just do the second point. We must know what we carry. We must know what we carry. You see, many of us, we want to walk in the power of God, but somehow we believe that God's power is external to us. One of the major mind shifts we have to make, number one was being delivered from naturalism. Number two is know what you carry. Know what you carry. If you've come from a background of shame and condemnation, your natural tendency is to say, God, I know you are so powerful, but I'm not too sure if you're powerful in me. How many of you know that the Bible talks about the Christ in you, the hope of glory? It doesn't just say Christ, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe one of the biggest revelations every believer needs to have is that Christ is in you by his spirit. So where I go, he's also there. Where I go, he, he's also there. Jesus is there because you pitched up. You go to a particular board meeting and you're like, Lord, come, come Holy Spirit. And he says back to you, but I'm already here because you are here. You see, we've got our theology messed up. I think in so many meetings we are praying, God come, God come. It's like, but I thought you were a carrier of my glory. I've said to you, I'll give to you everywhere your foot, your feet shall tread. Why? Because I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. A revelation of what we carry. Romans 8 verse 10 to 11 says, but if Christ is in you, how many of you can say with me, Christ is in me? If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet the Spirit gives you life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in, lives where? Lives in, lives in, lives in, right. If indeed he lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Now, mortality is very scientific, isn't it? That that's just the way we go. That's just how life happens. But when I look here, it says that he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. God is taking us to a place where miracles will be activated because we are conscious of what we carry. We are conscious of what we carry. You see, we are called to steward the miraculous. And what happens is God entrusts his power to you. He says, this is my power. But I'm entrusting you with my power. I'm entrusting you to be a steward of my power. I'm going to teach you as the weeks go by the things we're called to steward. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about being the uncommon giver to steward his finances. But how many of you know that you're a steward of his peace? That's why the Bible says, when you go, when Jesus is instructing his disciples, he says, when you go to a house and you see someone who's worthy of peace, I want you to leave your peace there. We are steward of his peace. We carry his peace. And it's interesting. He doesn't just say, leave my peace there. He says, leave your peace there. What are we talking about? We carry his peace. And it's a different type of peace. That's why in scripture, we are told, peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives it, do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many of you know that you're a steward of his joy? Joy, unspeakable joy. We carry his joy. And sometimes when we go into an environment with that level of joy, things are broken off. How many of you know that one of the keys in warfare is joy? God laughs at his enemies. There are times he calls us to laugh at certain things and something breaks in the spirit. Amen? Amen. So we must know what we carry. In Acts chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 4 to 8. Acts chapter 3, verse 4 to 8. It says here, But Peter, along with John, 
fixed his gaze on him. So they were about to heal this guy. Remember at the gate called Beautiful, Solomon's porch, right? They fixed, fixed his gaze on him and said, look, look where? Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So he, he wanted cash. His mindset and his level of expectation was, I need money. Some of you don't know what you really need. So your mindset when you are praying, you're just praying for certain things you understand in the natural. But your need is even greater. Amen? So what happens is he's looking at them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. My question to you this morning is, do you know what you carry? Peter knew what he didn't have. He didn't have cash. But he didn't just say, I don't have cash, so I can't help you. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but I know what I have. And what I have is not for me. What I have is to be imparted. Are you hearing me this morning? Do you know what you have? Some of you are in situations where you, you feel sad because you're like, I never have money to give this person. I don't have money to give that person. What do you have? You might not always have money to start that person's business for them, but you might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that functions in your life. And that what you that what you have, you can give. Amen? Do you know what you carry? If we want to see more miracles, we must know what we carry. He says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. Every single person in this room has something. What I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. Do you know what Peter had? What did Peter have? What did Peter have? You can shout it out. If it's wrong, I'll tell you wrong. It's fine. We're not trying to show off. I'll say good try. Hmm? He had the healing. Okay, what else? Any other takers? He had Jesus with him. Uh-huh. He had faith. Huh? You know that you can apply all the things that you've said to yourself. When I look at this, Peter had the name of Jesus. He had the name of Jesus. He had the name of Jesus. And with the name of Jesus, he had everything. And if Peter had the name of Jesus, so do I. And so do you. The grand equalizer. Amen? Because again, we look at this and we think to ourselves, no, Peter did this because he was one of the apostles. It wasn't just the apostles who healed. We see Stephen, he did miracles. We see Philip, he did miracles. Do you know that when Jesus did all those healings that he did, he wasn't doing them as the son of God. You understand that, right? When Jesus did all those miracles, he had restricted the God aspect in terms of doing the miracles. See, sometimes we look at his miracles and we think, but he did that because he was the son of God. So it proved that he was God. Uh-uh. Jesus did it as a man anointed by God. If he hadn't done his miracles that way, he couldn't have then said, Father, as you have sent me, so I send them. He couldn't have then said, whoever believes in me, these same things that you see me doing, you will also do and you will do greater. He would never have been able to say that. If you look at the miracles in Peter's life and you study the narrative around those miracles, they're so similar to what happened with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You know what's so powerful? When we are praying in the name of Jesus, this is what's happening. It's as if Jesus is praying it himself. That's what in the name of means. Amen? When you go and you have to submit a document that you ordinarily are not allowed to submit, what happens? Someone gives you an affidavit, don't they? An affidavit says, you can go in my stead. In other words, you can go and it will be just as if it's me. Isn't it beautiful just knowing that when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's as if Jesus is carrying that prayer in his hands and presenting it to the Father. 
So you might pray in the name of Jesus, then you quickly start thinking, oh, but I, I, I spoke horribly to that person last week. That's irrelevant. Because when your prayer is going to the Father, it's in the name of Jesus. Now here's what I found about a lot of Christians, and guys, this is a powerful mind shift. They pray in the name of Jesus as a formula, but not by revelation. You see, when you pray in the name of Jesus, sometimes my kids, you know, will even call him, I'll sort of pray, and then I might not say in Jesus' name at the end. I'm like, daddy, 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 in Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. But when we say in Jesus' name, it's not a formula. It's the revelation that what I'm praying, it's Jesus himself taking this prayer up. Isn't that powerful? Now watch this. He says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I'll, I'll share with you some keys to activating miracles, and one of them is decree, instruction. He didn't intercede. Lord, please, if it's your will, please, Lord, we need this breakthrough. Just make him walk. He said, walk. Which is what Jesus would say. It says, at verse 7, and seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. That's how convinced he was. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them. Do you know the breakthrough there? The breakthrough was that the restoration wasn't just physical. It says he entered the temple with them. So in other words, there was a restoration of that guy's worship. Amen? When God gives you your miracle, please make sure that you don't check out of God after the miracle. What I've seen on the continent is a lot of people want their breakthrough, they want their miracle. The moment they get it, they forget about worshiping. But this guy had his miracle, he begins to leap, he begins to praise God, and what does he do? He goes into the temple. Maybe he wasn't allowed in the temple before that, right? Because of his physical condition. That was a restoration. That was saying, God accepts you. And you are actually a part of us. I think that when the church was now 3,000 strong and Peter was preaching and the church was multiplying to many more people, I think he was one of the guys there. He was one of the guys there. Amen? He was brought into fellowship. We never, we never separate deliverance from discipleship a lot of people come people go can you deliver me we want to be delivered we never separate deliverance from discipleship why a lot of the times the reason why people remain in bondage is because they're not in the word they're not agreeing with the truth therefore you will know the truth and the truth will make you free the truth you don't know won't make you free how do you know the truth? You get into the word of God. You are discipled. Amen? Amen. Let's not be those people. Please don't be a pew warmer. Then we, we, we speak healing into your life. You have a miracle and you forget about God. Amen? Amen. I'm just preparing you because it's going to be happening. Amen. Amen. So what do you carry? Stop crying about what you don't have and release what you do have. Stop crying about what you don't have, but start releasing what you do have. If you're here and you're a big complainer and whiner, how I many of you know that there's some people like that? They're complainers and they're whiners. They could do that for a living, right? I'm going to say this to you. If you keep complaining, if you're that person who's constantly complaining about what they don't have, I want to encourage you, put on your big boy panties, get over yourself, step up, stop complaining about what you don't have, have a revelation of what you do have, and begin to impart it to other people. Amen? Amen. Simple as that. Sometimes Christians have to be told that. Amen? Yeah. You know what? 
You can go up to my wife and you can say, I need money. Can you give me this? She might say, you know what? I can't give you cash, but what I know I carry is I can change seasons over your life. And we saw that happening at last ignite. Seasons changing. Amen? Amen. What do you carry? What's the thing you carry? I was counseling some people recently and I said, I just know the thing I carry is when people spend time with me, they just start businesses. Okay? I didn't ask for it. It's just something that's on me. Right? I know I can go to an organization and make certain decrees and things grow. Stuff happens. I can't take the credit for it, but I know what I carry. And that person might say, can you please help us on the financial side of things with this? And can you please do this and so on? I don't have that but I know what I carry. Amen? Amen. What do you carry? What do you carry? A couple can come to me wanting to break up, thinking to themselves, I don't want to marry this guy anymore. But if it's of God, I know that there's a grace for reconciliation. And I'll come in and I'll share a few things and they'll start seeing each other differently. Oh, I don't know. I just wasn't seeing it this way. Oh, things are so much better now, Pastor. Can't take the credit for it, but I know I carry that. What do you carry? Amen? Amen. Go into the world with the thing that you carry and begin to be a fragrance, imparting it to the people around you. And stop whining and complaining about, oh, so-and-so carries that, how come I don't? Derek Prince said, the people who really rule the world are those who know how to pray. The people who really rule the world are those who know how to pray. Maybe you're not academically strong. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe, maybe you're not book smart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want you to agree with that for yourself. <laughs> right? Maybe you're not a good salesperson. Maybe you're not good at getting up in front of people and talking and speaking. But the one thing you know you can do is you know how to pray. You know how to get on your knees or however you pray. You know how to pray. The people who will really rule this world, who are really powerful, are people who know how to pray. Amen? Amen. How many of you are feeling me on that? You're like, Paul, I'm not a charismatic leader. Paul, I'm not that good looking. Don't raise your hand for that one. <laughs> People always have another opinion. People have another opinion. Have you noticed, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You'll check a guy out saying, my wife is the most beautiful lady in the whole wide world. Then you realize, ah, okay, God made us with different tastes, clearly. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> right? You might not have all the things that the world is looking for, but you know how to pray. And the Bible tells us that the Father who is in secret and sees what you do in secret will reward you publicly. Some of you are good prayers. When we try and have a conversation with you, it's like actual, actual, you struggle to talk to people. But when it comes to prayer and praying, everything just flows. How many of you are feeling me on that one? Oh, I'm seeing lots of people responding. So you're very powerful. Say to the person next to you, I'm too powerful. <laughs> Amen? And, and this is the nice thing. No one can take that away from you. Your boss can fire you tomorrow, but because you know how to pray, prayers of faith, and you know the God who you are praying to, things happen and you have a revelation of what you carry that you have the name of Jesus the affidavit from Jesus that says you can go in my name and you can get this imagine a billionaire gives you his affidavit saying go to any of my businesses and you can get this money from the accounts people imagine and you've got the affidavit that's what Jesus is doing he says you can pray in my name no one can take that from you amen no one can take that from you. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 to 16 says, Yet more and more believers were brought to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And we're going to be seeing this happening. More and more believers were brought to the Lord. Large numbers of both men and 
and women. There was no exclusion. There was no exclusion in terms of gender. There was no exclusion in terms of skin color. There was no exclusion in terms of social class, ethnicity. It says large numbers of both men and women. This sounds just like the ministry of Jesus. Okay? As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. Imagine the crowds. Are you visualizing this? Imagine the crowds coming on cots and mats. Why were they on mats? Why were they on cots? Because they couldn't walk. They had to be carried. So that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. If you study in the original language, that word shadow is not talking about the shadow in terms of the sun. It's the same word that we speak of when we think of the transfiguration of Jesus, the glory around Jesus. Okay? So Peter didn't have to physically touch these people, but the glory of God was so strong. Do you remember when Jesus says, you will do these works and you will do even greater? I find this very powerful. Because what happened? The woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus and then the anointing began to flow. Now we have another dimension of miracles because people were just passing the area where Peter was around him and stuff was happening. Amen? As Peter just walked past, healings, healings, healings were taking place. That's called the glory of God. And that's why sometimes in meetings, we don't always have to lay hands on people, but we can be declaring things, decreeing things, and things are happening in different places. The glory of God was present. Amen? I believe Peter knew that he carried that too. I believe Peter knew that he didn't always have to lay hands on the sick only, but that there were times when he was carrying this glory and things were happening. Do you know the dimensions of glory that you can walk in? Do you know the dimensions of power that God is taking you into in this season? Do you know how big and how powerful this God is? And it says here, crowds also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem. So people were coming from out of town. Amen? It's like what we saw with Prophet Cobus in Stillfontaine. Such a small place, eh? All know Stillfontaine. You know those towns where if you're just driving there, going to the west of this country, you're driving there, if you blink, you've passed it. <laughs> but thousands of people would go there because of the healings taking place. And we see here, it says, crowds also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits. We're having people contacting us. We need deliverance. Oh, we heard of you from so-and-so and from so-and-so. We need deliverance. Okay, we just need a bit of your time. We need deliverance. And you know what I find interesting? It says, and all of them were healed. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about vast numbers of people. Just like in the ministry of Jesus, it says all who came to him who were sick, all were healed. Now, if that is the ministry of Jesus that we model our lives on, when someone isn't then healed, we can't then say, oh, God has changed his mind. Because there's another law in operation, isn't there? God is good. In heaven, there's no sickness. He's injecting the earth with kingdom. And all were healed. All were healed. Mark 5, verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. And Paul, you can come up and start playing. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Jesus knew what he carried. And he knew that the thing that he carried could be transferred. Amen? He realized that power had gone out from him. Are you aware that you carry God's power and are you conscious of when that power is transferred? You see, the power of God that you carry isn't so that you feel good and get goosebumps during praise and worship. The power of God that you carry is so that it can be released and bring transformation in other people's lives. 
At once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The woman with the issue of blood had touched him. Jesus, please note, Jesus did not initiate this miracle. Jesus was focusing on something else. But this woman, as a point of contact for her faith, she says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch him, this will happen. My question to you is, who determined how the miracle would take place? She did. And that's why some of the miracles that we're going to see, you're going to determine them. You're going to determine the how. You're going to come to church and you're going to say, when such and such is decreed, there I will have my miracle. It's the same thing. It's a point of contact for your faith. You are believing and God is attracted to faith. Amen? How many of you know that it doesn't take faith for me to say, ah, no, maybe God just, maybe it was God's will and I just have to accept it. It doesn't require faith. But it requires faith to say, if I just do this, I know my breakthrough will come. That's why for financial miracles, often what's really happening in terms of the breakthrough is when someone sows seed, there's the law of reaping and sowing, but it's also very often a point of contact for people's faith. Are you following me this morning? There are times when people say, Lord, I'm believing you for this. And they sow a financial seed. And God is saying, wow, you, 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 you've got faith. You've got faith. Let's do it. You've said how it's going to be done. You've said what's going to determine this miracle. Let's make it happen. And Jesus felt this power flow out of him. It's tangible, isn't it? He felt this power flow out of him. John 17 verse 18, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, as you have sent me into the world, so I'm sending them. The same thing that Jesus did, you can do. And he wants you to do it. He's not insecure. Amen.